Men, we are in a war right now. Many of you don't even realize it. Just as surprised and shocked as you are with the lights going out, it's the same surprise and shock, and I'll even add in fear that you have when you get spiritually attacked because you're not ready for it and you did not see it coming. You are in a war zone. But how much more would you be locked in if you understood that truth? And that you truly believe that this is a war that's going on right here, right now. I guarantee you if you understood that truth, then the disciplines of your life would be radically different. If you knew right now that you were in a war zone and you had access to the commander-in-chief of your army, I guarantee you that you would call upon him, that you would call him and ask him for protection specifically for you, for those that are around you all the time, that you would ask him for wisdom, you would ask him for where's the next attack coming, can, can he protect you? We can call that your prayer life. I guarantee you that you would call upon the commander-in-chief and you would understand that if he gave you a book, if he gave you instructions, if he gave you a manual on how to win this battle, that you would read it, that you would study it, that you would meditate on it to make sure you don't get taken out. We'll call that your Bible study. And I guarantee you, if you were in a war zone right now and you knew you had other soldiers that were around you, that were meeting, and that were discussing the game plan, and that were strategizing, and that were making sure that they protected themselves, I guarantee you, you would meet with them. I guarantee you that you wouldn't put anything before that because you know how much you need that encouragement. You know how much they need that encouragement. You know how much you need to be built up and strengthened. We'll call that your discipleship and your fellowship. It's all happening. A war is happening right now, but many of us don't take it seriously. And what's most, most dangerous about this war that we're in, you cannot see it. You can't see it. It's happening around us right now. We're in it right now. We're in a war zone, but you cannot see it. And so because we cannot see it, we don't take it seriously. And instead of taking this life that we're in, this Christian life, and understanding it as a war zone, most of us today don't approach this life as a war zone. We approach it as a playground. A playground. That's how most men, most Christian men, unfortunately, approach this life as a playground. Because you see, when you're at a playground, it's easy, right? All right you, look at, you look out there, and what's the worst that can happen? A kid gets in a scuffle, you can handle it. You think you can handle it. You think the worst-case scenario, you're strong enough to take care of it. So you let your guards down, right? Because you can handle it. Or at a playground, you're just out there to have fun. It's not a big deal. All that important stuff, all those spiritual stuff, all that eternal stuff, all, all those things that are the most important things in our life, we can put those on the back burner because it's all about fun. It's what happens when we're at a playground and not understanding we're in a war zone. Men, right now, God has given each one of you specific truths that you're responsible for. Wives, kids, 
of the men that are around you. The church that should be led by men. We all have a responsibility. And when you're not ready for action, when you're not dressed and ready, and you're not understanding that you're in a war zone, you not only fail yourself, but you fail those that you're responsible for, that you're around. So how do we make sure that we get ready for victory? How do we make sure that we get ready for action? How do we make sure that we get ready for true success? Every day we walk outside of our door, Ephesians 6.10 says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Paul tells us that at the end of Ephesians, you see at the beginning of Ephesians, he tells us how to get right with God, how to make sure our relationship is right, how to be saved talks about the gospel, and then he talks about what the, the gospel life lived out looks like in the remainder of the book. And then at the very end, at the very end of the book, when you start to feel like, okay, I understand what my life should look like. I, I get it. Now I'm ready to do it. He says one more thing. He says, but it ain't going to be easy. I know I said ain't. Ain't going to be easy. You know why? Because there's opposition out there. It's not going to be handed to you. This life is not going to be easy. Guess what? It's going to be warfare. And there's going to be an enemy that's out there that's opposing everything you just learned about how it, what the Christian life looks like. Everything. And you can't see him. You can't see him. But he shows up in various ways. And guess what? It's going to happen for the rest of your life. The rest of your life. You're never going to get to a point where you're like, I... You know what, it's died down now, it's not that hard now, I think I got to figure for the rest of your life, until you take your last breath or until Jesus comes back, you're going to be in an all-out war zone, and we need to realize that, and that's the first point I want us to understand is, we need to realize you are in a war zone. You are in a war zone. The only, only way you can win this battle is to be strong in the Lord, not in your own strength. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care how strong you physically think you are. I don't care how smart you think you are. None of us can win this battle on our own. It's too much for us. The only way we can win this battle is with Christ and in his armor. And if there's not a daily rigor to strengthen our understanding of Christ, to strengthen, to continue to build that armor of Christ that we have, you will be seriously wounded in this war zone. You'll be seriously wounded and you'll be useless. Useless for God's kingdom because you're down and out. If that's not the case, you'll quit. You'll quit. And I'm not talking about losing salvation. I'm talking about not ever having it. You'll think Christianity is something that it never was prescribed to be in the Bible. You'll create your own Christianity and then you'll say, when I get a real taste of what it means to be a Christian, I quit. This is too much. 
because you don't understand that we're in a war zone. Now, Pastor Kellen, just relax, man. You're taking this too serious. We live in South Orange County. When I look outside, we're not dealing with all the stuff that we see on TV. It looks good out here. Things are fine. And if you think things are fine, then you'll let your guard down. And when you let your guard down, you're doing exactly what the enemy wants you to do. Let your guard down so that you can be lured in and think that Satan, all these evil ways, all these sinful ways are your friend. But not understanding that the enemy is here to steal, kill, and destroy you. Steal, kill, and destroy you. That, that, that's what he wants to do. That's the scheme. Right? And that's what our spiritual enemy is all about. The primary scheme that he wants to do is to make you think it's about this life. It's to make you think, dude, those, those people that are Bible thumpers and all that, they're, they're way too intense. Right? You can do both. That's what he wants you to do so that he can destroy you. Right? 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, not your friend, not your buddy, not the cool thing to do on TV nowadays. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He's trying to kill you. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to destroy your family. And if you don't understand you're in a war zone, it will happen. And it's happening today. Because we treat it like a playground and not a war zone. Every day you walk out of your door, you think, ah, i just going to work, and, you know, everything's fine, nothing's going to harm me, like, everybody loves me for being a Christian. That's not the case, man. And you know it's not the case. That invisible enemy shows up in various ways. Various ways. He shows up in your marriage. When you try to get the upper hand, when you try to make sure that you're the one that wins the argument instead of making sure that Christ wins the argument, he shows up in your extended family when there becomes hostility within your family because of your faith and what you believe. Right? He shows up in the workplace when your job wants to consume every ounce of energy and thought and physical activity that you have and focus it on earthly things instead of eternal things. Shows up in our school systems when the things that are being taught are, 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 are changing our kids' minds early on. They're, they're, they're training our kids to think one way and not the godly way. Right? It shows up on your computer. Sex sells, men. You don't think advertisers don't know that? You don't think every pop-up that you get is, is a woman over there just saying, click right here so you can see more? Shows up in your everyday retail stores read about it. You've gone to, to this red dotted store, right? Rainbows everywhere. Partnership with Satanists, right? Apparel for your toddlers and your infants that's trans-friendly. It shows up in our entertainment that's demonic. Some of your favorite Baseball teams are going through it right now, right up the street, right? Inviting people to the game, honoring people at the game that mock Christ, 
that mock the crucifixion, that mock God's word. The, the motto for this group is go forth, sin some more. Men dressed like women mocking God on the field of your favorite baseball team. You don't think we're in a war zone? We're in a war zone. Guess where else it shows up? Right here in church. Churches across America. Churches all over. When you have God's word being preached saying that, you know, gender, male and female can be whatever you think it is. Sex can be used however you think it can be used. When God has been very explicit about what a man is and what a woman is in the context of sex. But yet we have pastors convincing many people that you can do what you want to do. It's demonic. And the enemy is all over that. And you and I as Christian men cannot take that lightly because guess what? The rest of the world is. And they're being picked off. Being prepared for destruction. They're being picked off because people are playing around with Satan as if it's something cool to do. People are playing around with God's word. And God's going to take care of that. But you and I as Christian men need to understand this is a war zone and we need to take it seriously. There's only one option that you and I have in order to be victorious. And that's to put on the armor of the one that's already got the victory. That's Jesus Christ. Right? He's, he's the one person that's already defeated Satan. He's already defeated death. And the only way we can win, the only way we can stand firm as this passage is telling us to do and be ready for action is to put on the armor of Jesus Christ, the one that is victorious. And that starts in verse 14. What are we supposed to do? Stand. Stand, therefore. This is not about going out and being on the offensive right now. It says, stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness of the gospel, given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so you see Paul being in prison as he wrote this letter, had seen his fair share of Roman soldiers. And so as he's seeing Roman soldiers, then he's, he, he, he's making illustrations just on what that means to put on the armor of God based on some of this Roman garb that he sees. And the first thing he sees is the, the, the belt of truth that he, he, he mentions. And the belt of truth, there's nothing too complex about that. It girds up everything, right? Just as you wear a belt today, it, it tucks in everything. It keeps everything tight. That's what some, a soldier needs. A soldier doesn't need things dragging out and loose on him. He needs things tight. He needs a belt of truth is how Paul put it. And so Subpoint A for us, we need to understand this belt of truth is us having a commitment to truth. Us having a, a, a commitment to truth is what the belt of truth means. Ephesians 4.21, Paul just said this, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. And so you and I need to understand in order to be ready for action, in order to be, ha have the, the, the armor of God on, it starts off by being, having a constant 
pursuit of truth. Paul talks about that in Philippians 3. He said there's, there's nothing more that he wants than to gain more Christ. He said everything else in his life is garbage, garbage, garbage. Humanly speaking, people would look at his life, I'm sure, at that time and say, pretty good life, right? He's doing well. He's pretty successful. But he says everything in his life is garbage in comparison to gaining more Christ. You and I need to feel that way. There's nothing more important in our life other than our pursuit and commitment to pursue truth, to pursue Christ. It's a lifelong pursuit. We're never taking our foot off the gas. Never taking a foot off the gas. I said, until you take your last breath, it's a lifelong pursuit. This is a race and a war that we're in for the rest of our Christian lives. We don't have time to take our foot off the gas because the second that we do that is when the enemy is ready to strike. It doesn't matter where you are, wherever you are. We need to be on a constant pursuit of Christ. It can be you're in school, you're in school thinking about how do I glorify Christ. You're in your workplace, you might spend 80 hours a week there. But you need to be thinking every minute, how do I glorify Christ here? Somebody can be laid up in the hospital bed, visited somebody this week, laid up in the hospital bed. Right, they're going through a trial right now. But what I exhorted them to do is, how are you pursuing Christ here? How are you praying for others? What gospel conversations are you having with the doctors? God has you in every place that he has you for a specific reason, for a specific person. He has people placed around all of us, uniquely speaking, right? You have somebody over here. You have somebody over here. You have somebody over here that the rest of us don't have interaction with. God has you where you are for a reason in the position and the condition that you're in for a reason. How are we pursuing Christ with that? We need to have a commitment to pursue truth. Secondly, he says, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate of righteousness, of course, the soldier is putting this on to protect their chest area, their stomach area. Well, spiritually speaking, we need to put on this breastplate of righteousness to protect our heart as well. And I put it this way because we still have natural wicked tendencies in our heart and we need to have it protected. So you and I as we look at a breastplate of righteousness, we need to understand that you and I need to live a holy life. It means living a holy life, right? Not for salvation because we know that justification comes through Christ alone. But as First Peter tells us, we need to be holy in all of our conduct. We need to be holy because God is holy in everything that we do. Sanctification is that theological term, right? It's setting apart that, that, that life of being Christ-like for our entire life, for the rest of our life. How do I be more like Christ for the rest of our life? Spiritually growing. And you know how that happens? Discipleship. Discipleship. It's not a solo act. Iron sharpens irons. We need to be around one another, men. We need to be involved in each other's lives. We got to get rid of this surface level stuff, just being nice because we don't want to offend anybody or we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. The most important thing is Christ. I love all of you men, and I, I pray we can have a great relationship, but I pray even more that you would be more holy than being happy. Because guess what? When you're more holy, everything else will take care of itself. They'll take care of itself, right? But it starts with discipleship. 
And that's why we're going through it this summer, because there needs to be a foundation built. I want to make sure everybody understands what it means to be a disciple. I want, to, I want you to understand how the Bible tells us we need to be in discipleship. And that principle is played out all throughout Scripture. You have people around one another, praying for one another, confessing your sins to one another, and pray for one another, as James 5 tells us, right? Timothy and Paul's relationship. You see all of that happening throughout Scripture. That needs to happen for us today. And we need to continue to live a holy life. And it grows you. Grows you to be more like Christ when that happens. And it prevents and helps you from falling into more and more sin when you're living a holy life that breastplate of righteousness. And then he gets into the shoes. The shoes were a big deal. Might not seem like a big deal, but the Roman soldiers had a lot of advantage because they had these shoes called caligas. Caligas were these these leather half boots that they had hobnailed on on the bottom. It's almost like cleats. And so they were able to walk through and, and march through tough terrain, unlike other people that had flat soles on the bottom. Right, and so they were able to have sure-footedness in whatever battle that they were in. They were able to withstand a lot of pressure. They were able to walk and have traction in a lot of the areas that they walked in because they had the right footwear on, and they were ahead of the time. You think about an offensive lineman. An offensive lineman needs to have a good and sturdy shoe because guess what? He's getting a lot of opposition, a lot of opposition down in there in the trenches when you have defensive linemen bull rushing him. So he needs good, sure-footedness cleats to make sure that he doesn't slip and he can Hold his foundation. He can be firm-footed as he protects. You and I need to be firm-footed as well, and we need to have that confidence in the gospel. And that's how I put it there for the gospel of shoes of gospel of peace. That's how we need to understand it is us having a confidence in the gospel, a confidence, right? As Romans 1.16, Paul tells us the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. Believes what? Believe the fact that we're sinners, first off. Let's get that out on the table. You and I are sinners. We are not good. We deserve wrath. We have to come to terms with that because most of the world is not coming to terms with that. They're thinking, you know what, I'm relative. We're not good. We're sinners. But God sent his perfect son, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, past, present, and future. He died on the cross. The blood was shed for that. And he didn't just die, but he resurrected from the grave. He defeated death. He defeated Satan, defeated this enemy that we're against. He defeated him. And he's saying if you put your trust in the fact that I lived a perfect life and I died on the cross, I rose from the grave, you put your faith and trust in that and you repent of saying, I'm going to live for myself. I want to do what makes me happy. And you say, I'm going to do what makes Christ happy. I'm going to live my entire life as Christ is the boss of my life, not me. You do that, he says, you will be saved. And Paul also says in Romans 8, 38, 39, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things in the present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will be able to separate us. No spiritual enemy will be able to separate us with the gospel. And that's the confidence that you and I need to have. No matter how good things are for you right now, no matter how bad things might get, if you are in Christ, you have more than enough and you have the victory. 
you have eternal life. We need to have that confidence, especially when times get tough. Because the world is going to tell you that's not it. That is it. The only thing that takes the punishment for our sins, that atones for our sins, is the blood of Christ. It's not our good works. Only because of Christ's work. And when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we put our faith and trust in him. We repent from our sins. We are no longer an enemy of God. We, We become at peace with God. We have a peace with him. And he's behind us and in front of us and all around us. And no matter what this life puts in front of us, we know that we have Christ that's defeated everything in this life. He who is greater than, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, right? We need to remember that. We need to remember that verse and understand that the gospel is what we have our confidence in. Shield of faith, the shield that they had wasn't just some handheld shield, like they had these massive four or five foot tall shields that covered most of their body. And as they moved forward, the Roman soldiers were able to, the front lines were able to put the shields up front, the middle was able to put the shields up top, and the back were able to put the shields in the back, and they were fully covered. Fully covered. From what? From flaming arrows. It was wrapped in leather so that it would extinguish these flaming arrows that were shot at them. Right? Protection. You and I get flaming darts thrown at us all the time, every single day. And we need that same protection. We need that shield of faith. And we need to understand that is that's God's promises. Us believing in God's promises over Satan's lies. Believing in God's promises over Satan's lies. Because guess what? Those flaming darts, those fl- Satan's lies of Satan being the cool thing or Satan, you know, is this or, or, or whatever it is, right? Money, sex, and power is, is, is the, 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 the fun in this world. It, it's a lie. It's a lie, and we hear, you get more money, you'll be happy. There's rich people out there right now committing suicide because they feel like life is hopeless. They got everything that they want. Right? More sex is good. It's not good. It's not good. It causes problems. It causes problems in people's marriages. It causes problems in people's expectation of women. Power, my status, the title that I have at work is more important. It's not more important. Because guess what? A lot of that is earthly investments that will go away at the end. And here's the big one that we see all the time today. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you feel good. Whatever you want to think about, your, your higher power, your, your, that part, the man upstairs and all that stuff, you, you create him. Do what you feel is best. Man, your feelings don't matter. Feelings don't matter. They don't matter. Nobody's feelings matter. The only thing that matters at the end of the day is truth. Is it true or not? Because feelings can take us up and down, left and right, all over the place. We need to understand, is it true or not? And believe in God's promises. Because guess what? Satan is the the father of lies. The father of lies. And his aim is to to make something attractive for all of you. And he's real good at it. He's real good because he'll take... The things that are most attractive to you that you think are attractive, and it's custom fitted for you. It's different from this person that's over here. Right? Satan knows how to lie and get right to the things that are going to attract you and are going to get your attention. Specifically. And he'll find that weak point in the armor. Whatever you're putting off to the side, whatever you're just being 
lackadaisical with, and he'll go after that. He's the father of lies. And we need to know God's promises and believe God's promises. And the only way we know and believe God's promises is we're in his word and we're studying his word. We're meditating on his word. Because otherwise you'll believe the lies. Because guess what? The lies sound good, humanly speaking, earthly speaking. They sound good, but all they lead to is destruction. And that's all Satan wants to do. Like James tells us, it's like, a, it's like an animal being led to a slaughter. Right? Life seems good for that animal, right? He's eating, he's getting all the nice food, and he's just getting fattened up for a day of slaughter, destruction. Same thing is happening for us when we believe the lies and we don't know God's promises and we're not in tune with those. We need to be in God's word. You need to be studying God's word. I don't want to hear it's too long. I don't want to hear it's too complicated. It's the most important thing you can fill your mind with. And guess what? God's word has eternal value. Everything that you're spending time on reading today, next month, 90% of it won't even be important. It won't even be relevant. We need to be in God's word. That's the only way that we can tell the difference, as Jesus did when he defended with Scripture, Satan attacking him in the wilderness. We need to know God's word and stand strong on that, have a sure-footedness in God's word. Then he gets into the, the helmet of salvation. Verse 17, helmet of salvation. And take the helmet of salvation. A soldier needs to protect his head. You need to protect your mind as well. And we need to understand that as helmet of salvation means you and I need to be focusing on eternal hope. Focusing on eternal hope. It's not about this life. Like Paul tells us in Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things above, not on things of earth, on earth. Set your mind on things above. Some of you are in here right now that are going through things that you're weary, you're down. Set your mind on things above, not on things here on earth. Because guess what? Solomon told us you're going to have your ups, you're going to have your downs. Right? You're going to have your laughter, you're going to have your cries. You're going to have all of that as part of this life. It's going to happen. So if it's not happening for you right now, it's probably coming soon. But you and I are to set our minds on things above, not on things of this earth. And the way we get reminded of that is being here, being in fellowship. Too many of us men have important things to do. And if it's convenient, then we come to church. Church needs to start the week for us. Bible study needs to start the week for us. Ministry needs to start the week for us. Being in fellowship needs to start the week for us. Sitting under teaching of God's word needs to start the week for us. Why? Because we're in a war zone, we're in a battle, and we constantly need that to set our minds on things above. Because guess what? The rest of the world is trying to pull your mind away from eternal things and set it on earthly things. And so you need to be here. The men of the church need to be men and be here and be in God's word and lead. Too often in church, we, we resort to our, our wives leading. Ah, they'll take that. When it comes to business and sports and all that stuff, that's where I stand. That doesn't make any sense when you're looking at eternal value. You need to be the leader of your home, the spiritual leader of your home. You need to be the one that's teaching the kids Bible verses. You need to be the one that's bathing your wife in the word, right, that, that, that's constantly teaching your family, that's leading them to Christ. That needs to be you. Because when we do all that as men, when we, we get on the same page that that's our responsibility, that is what God has designed us to do. When we do that, God's church continues 
to excel well. And it's going to do that, right? But, but I don't want that to be the confusion. Like, it's not going to continue to move forward. God is going to build his church one way or another. But God wants to use the men of the church, the men of Compass Bible Church, to build up this church and the men around the world to continue to build up the Big C Church. But you and I need to understand that we need to set our minds on eternal hope, not things of this earth. Garbage in, garbage out, right? It, it, it happens. Do not let Satan grab a foothold in your mind. Because once he does, he just makes a path and continues to spread it. Focus on eternal things. Sword of the Spirit, Spirit is what he finishes with. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the, the word of God. Roman soldiers had this sword called a gladius. And if you look it up, it, one of the descriptions that I saw, it said it's good for stabbing and killing. Okay, that sounds effective. Right? It was a double-edged sword, as he talks about in Hebrews 4, a double-edged sword that was really good. And when it got in the abdomen area, that it would kill somebody. The first of its kind. And so when we look at this double-edged sword, this is a, a defensive and finally an offensive weapon, God's word that's given to us through the Spirit. And we need to use it that way, and we need to understand the sword of the Spirit as proclaiming God's word. Proclaiming God's word, letter F, proclaim God's word. Defensive, it's used for that as well, knowing God's word, studying God's word, understanding Scripture, and knowing when someone is trying to twist and turn the words based on their liking and being able to say, no, 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 that's not what Scripture says. Right, when the world says, oh, this is what love is, you say, no, 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 let me tell you what God's word says. When the world says, this is how you find happiness, no, 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 let me tell you what God's word says. Right, because God's word is what's authoritative, not your opinions, not anyone else's opinions. It's the only thing that matters, and we need to study it, and we need to know it, and we need to use it just as Jesus did. It's not about our life experiences. It's not about our opinions. Because guess what? The rest of the world has that. Everybody has an opinion about this life. The only thing that's authoritative is God's word. And you and I need to be in it and know it in order to be ready for action. But then offensively, God saves people through the preaching of his word. When you preach truth to people, when you drop truth seeds into people, God saves people. That, that's the means of salvation that he, that he has chosen. It's through the speaking and preaching of his word, presenting the gospel to people. Romans 10, 14, how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? Preach the good news. Preach truth. Plant seeds of truth. Know God's word first and then talk about it. Talk about it to the people that you're around. Stop asking about the weather so much. Stop asking about politics so much. Stop talking about sports so much. Talk about God's word. When we talk about God's word, Seeds get planted, and God provides the growth in his timing. It may not happen right then and there, but you might plant a seed in somebody's life over here, and they might get saved 10 years later because of something that you said that mattered. There's power in God's word. Preach God's word. Many of you have gospel opportunities every day, every day. The question is, do you see them? Do you see them? We need to be praying for a sensitivity to see those open doors that God gives us because he gives you some every day, every day, your neighborhood, your workplace, the friends that you're around, the, the store that you're at, whatever it is, drive through, the, any place, he gives you opportunities. 
We need to have a sensitivity to see those opportunities to preach God's word and allow him to continue to save people that are around you that he wants to save. But it requires you to know God's word and preach God's word and proclaim it. You must have the full armor. As we look through this list, it's not something that it's like, I like that one, not that one. I like that one, I like that. You got to have the full armor. He says, put on the whole armor. In order to say you have the armor of Christ on, you have to have the whole thing, all of them, all parts of it. But there's one last thing, and while it's not the armor, in a sense, it's the thing that threads all throughout it. It's the thing that's have and we must do in order to have the whole armor be effective as it needs to be. And that is verse 18, praying. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints in every step. Praying. Pray without ceasing. Constantly be in prayer. Constantly talking to the chief and commander, as I mentioned earlier, the chief and commander. Right, getting wisdom, praying for protection. There's great power in praying, and not just for yourself, but for all the saints. All the saints. Brothers, if praying for your church is not on your prayer list, it needs to be on there. If praying for your pastors is not on your prayer list, I I encourage you to put it on there. Please put it on there. If praying for people overseas, when you read the news about the persecution that's happening in the big C church, Pray for those people. We are to be praying for all the saints because we are in a war zone. And we need God's protection. Pray for those men that are around you. There's men around your table right now that you should get to know today and ask them. I know we're in a spiritual battle. I understand that. How can I be praying for you? That's just a great thing to take away. Ask somebody today, how can I be praying for you in a spiritual battle? Because I guarantee you they have something they're dealing with, and they need your prayers. We all need to be praying for one another, praying for others. Number three, praying for spiritual protection. Didn't say that already. There you go. Praying for spiritual protection. Men, don't waste the relationship. God has placed other men around your life, in your small group, around you, sitting at your table today for a reason. And we need to be praying for our fellow troops that are in the battle with us. The quote that I heard growing up, that it was, it was always good, and something I always wanted to keep in mind, and that was stay ready and you never got to get ready. Stay ready and you never have to get ready. And I'm so thankful that I, I, I try to do that to the best of my abilities and stay ready uh, because when you have your high school pastor that forgets the announcements and somebody has to come up here and save him, <laughs> it's good that you stay ready. See what happens when I have the last word? <laughs> when you get a, uh, a Pastor Lucas Pace that begs me and pleads me that he can come up here and run the game and his team still doesn't win <laughs> because they weren't ready, I guess. He wasn't ready. Um, speaking facts, uh, we need to be ready. Because if you stay ready, you never have to get ready. 
And while that was given to me in a uh, more of a sporting context, I mean, the principle is, is right. The principle is right for all of us. Right? We need to stay ready. We're in a war zone. And we need to remember that Christ has already won this war. That's the beauty of it all. It's not like, hey, we got to go out and fight. We got to win this war. We don't know who's going to win it. No. Christ has been victorious already. But there's still a battle that you and I have to walk through. And we have to endure through. But God has promised us that this, this battle is already, already run. There's nothing that this world can do to stop you. There's nothing that Satan can do to knock you off if you are armored up in Jesus Christ, the victorious armor, and living for him. Living for him, not for yourself. Waking up every morning saying, Jesus, what do you want me to do? How do I glorify you today? Not how do I do what makes me happy? That takes asking that question every day because every day we wake up, our first natural proclivity and instinct is to say, how, how do I make more money? How do I make myself happy? How do I do what, what I feel is right? I mean, our feelings don't matter. The only thing that matters is truth. Romans 13, 14 reminds us, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to have true success? Be ready for action. Let's make sure that we're covered in the victorious one, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, this is a battle. And I pray that we as men, men here at Compass, would take it more seriously. That we wouldn't go out here as if it was a playground. We wouldn't go out here thinking that the world is on our side, but that we would understand that we're in a war zone. That we would understand that there's an enemy that is opposing each one of us, that is threaded all throughout our lives, shows up in various ways, that is trying to devour us. Lord, help us to take that truth seriously and help us to stay ready and be ready. Be ready for action. Be ready for action that will happen every time we walk out of our door, every time we wake up in the morning, there is a war that's happening. I pray that we would be ready. I pray that we would... Be armored up in Christ, the victorious one. And I pray that we would seek to do that more and more each and every day. We would challenge each other as men. And as men of Compass Bible Church, that we would raise up and lead well. And that this church would be a great lampstand for your namesake. Help us to do that well, Lord. Just pray that you would work mightily in all of our lives as we look to armor up in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.